0: Nathan, how are
1: you? G'day, Martin. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for um, finding some time for talking to me. I'd like to start off um, talking to you a little bit about your um, personal life, family and work that you're prepared to share and what you sort of bring to um, Hornsby um, Shire Council through these life and work experiences.
1: Sure, sure. Um, Well, I was um, born in Hornsby Hospital I um, grew up in Barara Heights, which is where I'm living now, not in the same place, but um, uh, played on my local, my sport locally, um, Hornsby Rugby Club, Barara Rugby League Club, Barara Cricket Club, that sort of thing. Um, when I was about um, 24, I went travelling and um, eventually found myself in South America, uh, sort of living and working in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And there I met my, my better half, uh, Giselle, and uh, a few years later we had our first daughter, Isabella, born. Um, and then before Isabella turned two, I brought my family with me back to Australia and we settled back into the area that I grew up in. Um, and that was after nine years of living in Brazil. So that was that was uh, interesting, a lot of fun. And and really interesting, Martin, to to live in a place which is very different from home and just see how they do things differently there, different challenges um, you know, obviously pollution and crime, and um, having the population of Australia and the size of Sydney, and um, and how they they work with that space, uh, particularly recreation, which you know obviously soccer's really big over there, so they had to fit in their their recreational space. So that was that was really interesting. Um, and as I say, we we uh, brought back in the local area and bought our first house um, in Barara Heights, um, and uh, our second daughter. Eloisa came along, who's, um, who's now 11. Um, but when I returned to Australia, I rejoined my sports clubs, including the Brown Cricket Club, and I was um, quickly elected president of that club and uh, ran it for, for four years, growing it through, through membership and sponsorship and um, a number of other activities and, and updating facilities in the, in the local area for the club, um, new net facilities and um, working with the schools and putting facilities in there. And having the schools have them open after hours. Um, because we're a very big club, but we have very few facilities. I ended up being the, um, the cricket captain of, of one, uh, Matt Keane, um, who always encouraged me to, to run for for council. And I said, look, I don't want to do that. I've got a job and, and I'm not really interested in that. Um, and then I was involved with running the, um, the local association. And I should mention, when I was in Brazil, I was running cricket in Brazil. I used to attend ICC meetings representing Brazil. Um, Brazil was very much involved with expats in cricket. Um, But the the time I was there, we we were taking cricket out to the schools. We got a lot of Brazilians involved. So um, I really had an administration background, if you like, within the sport, which I brought to my club and then to the association and um, was soon elected president of the association and and went on to, to build the association to record playing numbers. Anyway, while I was uh, at the association, Warnsby Council were going on a bit of a cost-cutting measure and they uh, proposed to, to downgrade a couple of cricket facilities um, for which I rallied the cricket community together and, um, and uh, put up a proposal that would have saved them the money um, and it would have at least saved one of the two facilities they're looking to downgrade. Um, it, it got the matter postponed. But what really threw me with that decision process, Martin, was that uh, when it came back to council, None of the, the councils really spoke to the local cricketers about the impact of this facility being downgraded and it was just pushed through. It was just, a, um, you know, a, 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 something that went through. So, so that then got me interested in, in uh, council and the process there and then, of course, Matt, when Matt Keane asked again, you know, you got to run for council, I put my hand up and, and that's how I ended up on council, Martin.
0: That is an amazing story. Tell me a couple of things there. Um, what position did you play in rugby league and rugby union?
1: Uh, I was a bit of a, a versatile position uh, or player in uh, in rugby league and, and played every position, um, backs and forwards. But my preferred position was was hooker or lock. I like getting my hands on the ball. Yeah. Um, and rugby union, I was also hooker and flanker, a little bit of halfback. Um, right. So I wasn't very big, I wasn't very fast, but I was used to plug holes in different locations. You know, I could I could
0: tackle a bit and, and pass a bit. So you're in where the action is, which you are now in the local community as well. Yes, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't see myself out in the wing or in the centres. You know,
1: not getting the jersey dirty. Um, I've very much enjoyed the forwards and, and getting amongst it.
0: And and look, you let just you just let drop the ICC in Brazil. What was what, what was that involving?
1: Yeah, that was interesting. That was uh, a meeting in Miami, um, which uh, obviously the ICC were hosting the meeting, and I sat next to the president of the uh, the West Indies board. He was representing the islands of West Indies and. Um, the President of the Americas was there and, and we were talking about developing cricket in the region. It was a, a three-day um, conference and it was fascinating, you know, just to see how they were doing things differently. I actually got up and did a presentation and uh, about fundraising because I, I secured Brazil Cricket's first ever corporate sponsorship through Land Rover and, and I went through that process and presented to all these countries about that. So there was only one top tier country being um, the West Indies in that group, but obviously the you know, it was developing right across uh, South America and the Americas.
0: Wow. So there's a few sliding door moments there, Nathan, and one of them seems to be also having a young Matt Keen, I assume, playing cricket with you. Um, what year was it that you started to think about your Beyond Council and then all of a sudden that happened with the more recent stuff?
1: Well, I think it was the 2011 year when Council proposing all these um, cost-cutting measures, the... You know, the GFC was was in, in place and they, they went right through the organisation and, um, you know, cricket wasn't the only one they were focusing on, of course, but uh, I just felt that particular decision was, um, you know, there was very little consultation and, and um, you know, putting together the cricket community to come up with a strategy that would have given council what they wanted but would have at least get one of the two facilities and, and not being listened to with that proposal was very frustrating. And, you know, I've always tried as a counsellor um, you know, even if I uh, really don't agree with something, but I'll always hear the other side and, and listen out. And that, in time, you know, at times has swung me around on decisions or helped me make a better decision. So, you know, listening is, is a very
0: important part of my armoury, if you like, as a counsellor. Well, let's let's go down the council path. You're on the council in 2012, I assume, is it?
1: Yeah, September 2012 was the election, I was elected, so we've come up now to eight years.
0: Wow, wow, um, congratulations for your service to the community too, Nathan.
1: Thanks,
0: Martin, yes. Uh, um, all right, well, is this what's it like on the second week of the month when the council meeting papers come out 10 days beforehand and you've got a meeting in a few days' time, which is the middle of the month now? What's your yeah. life and work like at this time of the month?
1: It can be um, it can be really daunting. That's obviously the agenda, which I know your listeners can't see. That's quite skinny. Um, and this meeting, these are the attachments we've got to go through, which you can see three very fast. Just th- three um, of them this week. Th- three. There's a lot of reports there, which, to be fair, um, we've seen those reports and gone through them in workshops, but, you know, it's still good to refresh yourself. So there's a lot of reading. You've got to take that in. you really got to... Now, make notes if there's anything there that you know you, you want to ask a question of the staff of or you want to um, potentially look at an amendment to an item um, so yeah you, you, you really need to get in there. and I, I usually find time on the weekend to, to sit up the back of my property in the Sun and on a banana chair with a, with a cup of coffee or, or sometimes in the afternoon a beer and go through it all um, and uh, come back with questions to, to staff you know, the Monday, Tuesday and the Wednesday before the council meeting on the Wednesday evening. Um, and then obviously uh, talking with my um, colleagues, um, you know, there's, there's nine of them, including the Mayor, that, um, you know, if there's something there which is important to you to, to talk to them, to get their feedback, to see where they're at on different issues. So um, it's really organising your time, um, prioritising what you've got to do. Obviously, you've got work you know, most of the time during that period. So um you know, there's uh, there's some early mornings and late evenings amongst that stuff.
0: And I assume there are evening and weekday things you have to do to visit people and deal with constituents and things like that. What's that sort of routine like?
1: Yeah, very much so. Um, I actually like the downtime, which is January, because January um, in a in a year for a councillor, um, a lot of people uh, or councils pretty much down to just being run on a, on a skeleton staff and um, the phone stops ringing. But I like that period because that's a period where I can sit down with community groups and progress associations and catch up on that sort of thing. Um, but obviously you've got to do that the whole year round. But generally I find the phone doesn't ring as much, the emails don't come in as much, but you can get out there and um, and talk to those um, community groups and, uh, or individuals or site inspections that you've sort of been trying to, to fit in. Um, but obviously that, that happens a lot. Um, weekends, you know, I, I've got to organise family activities sometimes about uh, around, um, you know, going to visit a particular area that I've been told needs kerb and guttering or a footpath or or getting down to Brooklyn, which is a big part of my ward, uh, or out to the to the rural area. So, yeah, I guess you're as busy as you, you really want to be, but, you know, I don't like turning down constituent um, requests saying I'm, I'm too busy. I really try and take on... Everything that somebody um, you know puts before you, and, uh, and and do my best to
0: to resolve those. You've actually um, given me a thought bubble um, that I was just thinking about where you live. Um, as you said earlier, Ron is in Hornsby, and that's sort of the the largest populated area to the north of the Shire. It's probably a little bit bigger than Brooklyn, I would guess, and it's right on. It's sort of like it's the apex of the the urban built part of. Hornsby, along the railway line, the, the rivers and the uh, river settlements down the hill, and then you're yep. right on the northern end of the rural areas. Do You seem in a prime position to represent those three groups.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I live in Barara. Um, I used to live in Hornsby when I was the first elected to council, um, but I actually live in Barara. But you're right, that spine between Hornsby down to Brooklyn um, is, uh, is a really busy area. I mean, I had um, a very firm commitment that I made last term of council um, that I would not support any more rezoning down that spine. Um, It's obviously, you've got national parks on either side, Brow Valley and Keringai Chase. Um, You've got development that's happened in Asquith and Mount Kola, which is still very raw. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of people have... um, um, have uh, 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 been upset i guess if that that development's gone on you've still got some townhouses to go in that's that's rezoned for that which um um you know that still has to come in but um, the infrastructure wasn't there so so my job this term is to be to ensure that the infrastructure that was committed with that development has been delivered you know upgrades to Asquith park story park um, kids playground in mount cola those sorts of things that you know, I guess it's the, 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 the sugar, if you like, that does come with development um, and you need, you know, as a councillor, I needed to make sure that was followed through. But um, so, you know, there's been some change, but that commitment I, I made was no further rezoning north of uh, of Hornsby, down that spine. And, and another reason, Martin, is that, um, you know, there's only so much we can take in terms of, you know, sewerage and, and the other infrastructure as well, you know, that, that obviously has impact on, on the tributaries, being Cowan Creek and Broward Creek and the Hawkesbury. Um, so there's environmental reasons, there's um, bushfire reasons in terms of evacuation. Um, and, you know, frankly, I think there's been um, more than enough development that's happened and that's fine, uh, you know, with the last rezoning. So that area has done its share and, and you know, so far I've, I've managed to fulfil that commitment and there's been no further consideration of uh, of rezoning in that area.
0: Does that mean that other areas are going to be prone to development or has the council got a sort of, it's met its targets?
1: Uh, the targets are meant for the short term, but certainly uh, in, in the longer term, um, every local government area will have new targets. Um, so yes, to answer your question. I think other areas um, would be more appropriate. I mean, around the um, the metro line, West Pennant Hills, as we know, um, is being an area that's being considered at the moment. Um, the uh, the west side of Hornsby was rezoned last term of council, um, and the east side is being considered to part of a master plan. And that makes a lot more sense around the infrastructure, um, you know, around the transport hubs uh, and shops and and uh, and that sort of thing. So yes, Martin, as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, for for any future, um, considered rezonings north of Hornsby's had
0: its share and uh, and I'll be making sure that no more coming down that spine. So actually, um, just remind me and the listeners where the boundaries are for Ward A.
1: So the boundaries have changed a little bit. Obviously, when the amalgamation process happened, we lost Epping. And what they had to do then is um, balance out the wards to go down to about 33,000 voters each. And that means A Ward um, uh, lost a bit to B Ward. And uh, Asquith Girls is the boundary for A and B Ward. So um, uh, Asquith Girls itself sits on the boundary of B Ward and the other side of the road is A Ward. Uh, and then on the other side of the railway tracks, uh, A Ward goes right into to Manor Road, um, Hornsby Heights, um, you know, part of Hornsby there, that, that's A ward. But by the time, you know, you get to the chambers and that sort of thing, that becomes B ward.
0: Uh, so
1: really a, ward, a ward is a very big area, but it's a bushland shire and A ward's got most of the bushland. Um, so that goes all the way out to Wiseman's Ferry, Gentleman's Hole, Glenory, Durrell, um, down to Brooklyn, Dangar Island, I can't forget there, of course. Um you know, um, places like Milsons Passage. So it's a, it's a very large ward. You know, I could drive from, from um, um, two hours within my ward and uh, not reach the end of it. And there'd be very few local government areas where you're driving from one side of that local that, that council area to the other side of the council area um, in two hours. You know, uh, in other words, my ward is a lot larger than a lot of the most of the New South Wales councils.
0: Well, you're right, because I've, I've ridden to Wiseman's Ferry and that's a long way out if you just, you happen to get it, you, you started to go there from the western side of Hornsby at Cherrybrook, goes for its 50 yep. Ks or something like that. It is a long way out, but it's very important that, you know, that, that they are out there, but we don't
1: forget them. And yeah. um, I'll make a point, a couple of years, uh, a couple of times a year to go out there and, um, um, you know, uh, uh, have a look at some of the issues out at that particular area. And we're really fortunate in Award to have um, Councillor Waddell on the other side of the gorge at, um, at Golston, And, you know, he'll take care of you know, the, what I would call the barking dog issues, the little issues, if you like, across that side of the gorge. And, and I'll do the same uh, on this side. and works really, really well. So, you know, I'm not trying to work out some small issues um, out in Arcadia or Golston or Dural. Um, yeah, you know, larger issues obviously you look after, but um, you know we can we can look after each other.
0: So let's so thanks for that. Let's try and unpack some of the issues you mentioned before. A number of community groups that you're involved with, and I know you've got a particular interest in the history of Barara, if not the wider Shire area. Tell us a little bit about that side of your interest.
1: Um, yeah, well, as I said, before I got into council, I was involved in a number of number of groups, mainly um, sporting groups, and since being on council, um, I joined a number of groups as well. I was part of the um, the group that was responsible for establishing the Hornsby Cringo Women's Shelter, and I was on that board for, uh, for four years, including the first couple of years as um, the uh, chairman of the fundraising committee, which was really, really important because we have to raise a very large percent of the funds keep the door open, doors open of the women's shelter. Um, you mentioned history. I've written history of uh, of my own suburb in Barara, uh, but I'm also Vice President of Hornsby Historical Society. Um, I've been on the committee for the Kuringai Netball Association. That's based in uh, the LGA of of Karim Guy, but there are Hornsby clubs that play in that area. Um, but I obviously um, help them with different things, uh, in particular, um Canoon Road, where Kuringai Netball Association play their games, was the only location for netball bet- between Newcastle and Canberra that didn't have lights at their, uh, their netball courts, which I just thought was ludicrous. And they've been trying for 30 years to get it. So um, I helped them with my experience in local government and, and different contacts. And, um, and we got lights that uh, we've turned on this season after um, five years on the Kuringai Netball Association uh, executive. Um, I mentioned my uh, cricket uh, executive um, position. Um, yeah, there's there's a number of things there, and that's I think that's really important um, that you know you have those positions and in, in the community, um, and you 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 know you. You're, and I try not to spend more than four or five years with one, one association or one sporting group because, you know, I try and obviously leave it better than when I came in and, and obviously have a succession plan and uh, and then I'll move on to something else, usually something completely different, which, um, you know, I'm learning as well. And I'm I'm uh, obviously, um, um, you know, sharpening my skills, which a lot of those skills are very useful in local government for being a councillor as well. So, um yeah, there's there's lots of different uh, community
0: groups that, that I've been a part of and, and really proud to represent it. That's really good. Uh, you may or may not be aware that I asked everyone a question about representation and there's this book that I've re- referred to each time and, in fairness, I'm asking everyone the same question. It's called The Independent Effect by um, On- Andrea Cullen and she talks about three types of uh, representation, where you're elected as a trustee and people elect you and you could make sort of like a decision where they believe you'll make a decision on the best interest of the community. The representative um, person where you actually try and consult everyone and try and get an opinion of everyone together or a hybrid model. What's your sort of philosophy around representing people and their views as a councillor? Um, well,
1: just talking about the independent effect for a moment uh, in local government, I think that's really important because after election, I truly believe that all councillors are independent. You know, there's no place in local government for party politics. And in fact, the only thing on council that can be legally caucused on is the decision on the voting of deputy mayor. Um, so... I mean, I'm, I'm an elected Liberal councillor and, you know, during the election, obviously um, handing out blue flyers and, and the, the blue core flute and all the rest of it. But once you're elected, um, your party uh, affiliation, particularly with decisions on council, doesn't come into it as far as I'm concerned. And um, one of the councillors, uh, one of the new councillors, this term of council, said to me, oh, you should be an independent. And I said, well, we all should be independents and, and you know, Party politics shouldn't come into our decisions whatsoever and I get really annoyed if I do see that creeping in. You know, and I'll I'll talk to um, my Liberal colleagues, I'll talk to Labour, Independent Greens, whatever. It doesn't bother me because they're council laws in the end of the day and, and we are um all the same and you know we've we've got to make a decision not being um, affiliated with with uh with a political colour in any way. That's really important. The other thing I'd say to what you just said is that um, um, I never make a decision based on one side of the story. And and I'll see emails coming in copied to to councillors and, um, and, you know, it'll be an email saying, oh, well, council's done this and this has happened or my neighbour's done this and this has happened. And you think that's terrible. You know, I really need to help that person. But you stop yourself and just think, well, hang on a sec. Let me just try and hear from the other side of the story. Let's mm, hear what yeah, okay. council staff have got to say, say about that. Or let's hear what the neighbours has got to say about that. And almost always you're not getting the full story because obviously, you know, the, the people writing to you want you to jump on their issue and help them out. But I'm very, very careful not to do that. And I, and I cringe if I see somebody reply to say, I agree with you 100%. Yes, we needed to, to um, sort that out for you before actually hearing the other side of the story. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's really important to get that balance and balance is a key word on council that you can't just listen to to one person on an issue or you need to to have a balance to get that to get that decision and you get a balanced decision yeah, that's really important as well and sometimes debate brings that out too
0: um, if you're under the pump for time and things like that and you have to make it some sort of decision what are your guiding principles
1: um well, I think one thing you learn in local government, Martin, is things never move quickly. So, yes, you might think you're under the pump, but, um, and I don't like deferring things, but uh, if you need to get more information or to get a full story, um, sometimes you need to take a step back and just say, look, I don't want to be rushed into this decision. Let's just defer this to, um, you know, to, to get the full story. Um, so, you know, I tend to set my own opinion aside from things. When uh, when considering something on council, um, and and really just look at the facts, uh, as I say, on both sides of the argument, and try and get the best decision by you know by making that balanced decision. And it's a bit like Martin, if you the way I look at you know council as a council's role. On one side you might have a you know a, a resident, and on the other side you might have staff you know, looking at something black and white and you're in the middle. And I think our job a lot is to, to drag both sides together to find a result that, you know, um, that is, um, is both for, right for both sides and whether that's staff or, as I say, a neighbour or whatever. Um, and, you know, that, that needs, uh, um, you know, some skill sometimes to be able to do that.
0: And sometimes the middle way is the way to go too. You're trying to draw different groups together so they can build awareness between each other.
1: Absolutely. I always say if neither side is entirely happy, then that's probably the right decision.
0: <laughs> that's an interesting approach. Let's go down the path of a couple of the, um, the successes that you've had individually or collectively in this term of office and maybe some of the learnings.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few learnings there, I, I guess, but... Um, You know, obviously being a second-term councillor, it's really good. I mean, we've had seven new councillors, Martin, as you know, this term of council. Um, Obviously, the mayor is a very experienced politician, with 42, 43 years in uh, uh, federal government, but it's still very different from council. So we've had seven new um, councillors trying to get their head around um, the process and the issues and, you know, um, obviously revisiting issues. And I made the point before nothing happens quickly in local government. And sometimes you've got to really manage expectations, uh, expectations of the residents, um, expectations of um, community groups, but also your own expectations <laughs> to be really, really patient. So I've learned to be very patient in the local government. Um, some of the things that last term that I'm seeing now um, come through, inclusive play in our, in our parks and playgrounds, and that's you know, play for everybody, whether you're one year old, um, whether you're 100 years old, whether you're disabled or able-bodied, um, inclusive play is really important. Part of that is um, shade sales, um, I had a notice of motion last time at Council to um, uh, to have uh, a change in practice of Council not using any shade sales over playgrounds at all and, and um, we've had the first shade sales rolling out in Waitara Park, at Story Park, we've got Ruddock Park happening, we've got Broward Oval happening, uh, the playgrounds there. So that's been really satisfying to see that follow through. Um, it, pedestrian safety is a big one for me um you know footpaths obviously i've been pushing that for, for a couple of terms now um <laughs> i remember i put up a motion to increase the budget and it got voted down 9-1 last term of council <laughs> whereas uh, this term of council it was supported 100 percent and uh, unanimously and that's brought the budget from two hundred and sixty-six thousand a year to a million dollars a year um you know looking at a backlog 11 million dollars so instead of having 40 years ticketing last one you know we've got about 10 years now that's been really good because we made able to get a lot to a lot of missing links, and and I was talking about um, pedestrian safety around schools. So we're focusing on things around schools, links to um, walking trails, links to shopping centres, links to public transport. Um, really, really important. It's great to see them coming out um, and being delivered and and um, you know satisfying, having people that have written to me for a long time finally get you know what they've been asking for. Um, working closely with community groups and having them work cooperatively with council and getting you know results for those community groups whether it be the Hornsby and pringrove women's shelter Hornsby connect um big supporter of that um triple h radio um hornsby historical society and, and you know many local sports clubs in our area uh, abandoned shopping trolleys has been a favorite for a lot of your colleagues to talk about and watch the progress of that and um and that was um um, a lot of fun and, and very frustrating, and I mentioned some things never happen quickly. That took about 30 years to get a result, and about five years of me pushing it. Now we've got the wheel locking system on uh, on Westfield and Hornsby, and the coin system at Asquith, and it, it stopped the abandoned shopping trolleys that were once between five and eight hundred in a one-kilometer radius around Westfield. Um, what else, sir? Uh, I think uh, I talked about no more rezoning further north of Hornsby. It's really good to follow that through. Um, preserve and protect the Hawkesbury River. That's really important to me, particularly my role as chairman of the um, the Lower Estuary uh, Hawkesbury River Committee, which is now morphed into something bigger. Um, look, a little one like getting a kids' playground on the um, the eastern side of uh, Mount Kohler, where I had residents writing to me about, you know, we don't have a playground. We've got kids here, and and, you know going out there and, and seeing that they're right I mean no light at the end of the tunnel in terms of being on council's radar to deliver a, a kids playground and again I got voted down and it was Mick Gallagher and I last term of council 8 two and uh, and this time it was unanimously supported and, and that's one of the things that if we're disagreeing amongst ourselves in AWARD at least we can move forwards on the things that we do agree on this is the A AWARD councils and that was one of them so it was really satisfying even though it was a A little toddler's playground, you know, to see that finally drop out the other end was terrific. Um, Improved facilities around existing and new dog parks. Um, That's something, you know, I'm I'm still following through and getting more money for the budget for. Um, Tourism in the Hornsby Shire. Uh, You know, talking about the Hawkesbury River where we've seen um, a couple of diseases wipe out the oyster farmers. We've seen the the licences for fishermen down there chopped in half. Look, right now, you know, that's for good reason. But... The local employment has been hammered down there. So tourism coming through and filling that hole has been terrific and, and that's been really um, really good to play a role in helping that.
0: Okay, I just come in on the tourism? Every sure. person I've spoken to at the moment has mentioned tourism. Have you got sort of um, a whole lot of reports coming through a bit further down the track about tourism in the Shire because it's always high in the consciousness and I don't see anything anywhere in council meetings about it?
1: Well, we talked about the master plan for Brooklyn last term of council, which I'm sure you remember, um, and obviously that hung over to this term of council. Um, now, a master plan means rezoning areas, and with the money that that rezoning and development brings, um, bringing in infrastructure, it was about trying to understand what level of rezoning that um, you know the river community would accept down there in Brooklyn. Unsurprisingly, it was very little. And, and, you know, quite rightly, it's an area that needs to be preserved for what it is and it's natural beauty. So we've refocused really on, um, on on place management, on delivering infrastructure, you know, through low-hanging fruit, things like, a you know, a, a multi-purpose community facility down there, which the, the residents are asking for, talking about parking. But the other thing that did drop out of the Master Plan process was tourism down there and, and how important it is. And I think people look at Brooklyn very differently to the way they did 10 years ago where a lot of people just didn't go there because they saw it as a sleepy fishing village where the locals weren't very welcoming, where it's very, very different now. And there's families down there and and so on. But, of course, with tourism and and that sort of thing that we want to to encourage, it does bring problems such as parking and and it's balancing that. So it has been a hot topic this term of council. And also tourism out in the the, um, rural area as well, Mm. which we're obviously focusing on and there's a report before council regarding the rural area as well. So, yes, we've talked about it a lot and I, I think most of the councils are, are really keen yeah. to um, to make the most of that. And and that local employment that comes with that, Mark, very, very important. Um, um, go
0: on, yeah. What, what else? Is, I was
1: what just going to finish very quickly. Um, obviously, uh, pest control has been a big one for me, whether it be foxes, rabbits or, or cats. And cats. You know, we had a big problem which nobody... Wanted to to fix over many many years, and that's feral cats. Um, you know, it's a difficult one to tackle. But um, fortunately, um, um, we we got something through council that went through unanimously with the support of the RSPCA, the Cat Protection Society, and other organisations um, to go on a, a feral cat trapping program, which was around the CBD or Hornsby, which was a massive issue where abandoned cats were were, were causing havoc. And and that's um, that's a lot better than what it was. But that that took some you know, some um, some hard work in, in taking that through to the community. There's a lot of very passionate people out there about cats, that's for sure. The, the, the early focus for this term, just to finish off, Martin, look, we, we did have a GM last term, the end of last term, so getting in a new GM and settling him in, and I think Stephen Head's been a terrific find and, and um, doing great things. Reviewing the LEP and DCP, so we don't, repeat the mistakes if you like with the developments that we saw with Asquith and mount cola that we've got better developments with trees around them and and um you know not the the ugly thing that's sitting top of the buildings and um you know the pipes that are exposed at the front so we, we're tidying up those little things um addressing the income loss through the loss of epping to Parramatta, which you know people say oh we don't want to make it a safe seat and um uh, you know, that's one of the reasons we should make it a swinging seat. I, I argue against that. I think the fact that we have a safe seat which means meant that we got compensation for what happened with Epping. I mean, the state government didn't have to help us at all and, you know, $200 million, which many argue was not enough, but it's a lot of money and we can deliver projects such as, you know, the quarry and Wesley... Um, without having to worry about the loss of income that happened with, you know, a mature area like Epping, but also allows us to use those funds to make other areas mature and make them cash positive, as Epping was. So, you know, as I said, that if, if we had um, if we had a mayor who was, uh, you know, fighting in an aggressive way with the state government, there's no way we would have got that result. And, you know, it's been terrific that we have Philip Ruddock working cooperatively with Matt Keane and Julian Lees' support, which meant we got the results for... Um, for for our residents, which is really, really
0: important. So just the other side of the equation, uh, what would you do differently if you had your time again for some of the decisions or some of the outcomes in this session?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, Look, uh, I think we've got a lot of the decisions... um, Pretty well, right? I, you know, I think um, I think this particular term of council uh, has flown the flag of public consultation very high, and you know, things like live-streaming meetings and, and going out to um, areas and holding um, public meetings out there. But we need to be careful this term of council that it's not just public consultation when we want it. We need to continue with that public consultation, and whether it's something like um, you know, in the vegetation maps that we, we talk to the residents that are going to be affected about that. So we understand um, the impact that, you know, those residents will feel and how they feel about that and, and, you know, enter that into our decision process. So, you know, we need, we need to make sure as council that, that public consultation um, flag is not just flown when we want it, that we do fly it all the time and we're open and transparent and we're bringing the community with us on decisions. Otherwise, you know, there will be a backlash and, and the community will, um, will draw a line in the sand and, um, and that's not good. You know, I, you know I, I, I like to be associated with a transparent and open community or council that brings the community with us. That's how you get the best decisions.
0: All right. Thank you for um, that, that, that appraisal of the, co- the community consultation side of things. Moving forward, we're less than a year from the next election Quite literally, last week I think was the the year. Um, what are your plans and the council's plans for the next twelve months that are a priority? You think?
1: Yeah, look, we've, we've got a bit of a you know in inverted commas bonus twelve months because of uh, because of COVID, and um, um, that's upset the apple cart a little bit in terms of you know you, you, you're elected for what you think is a three year term. Um, you, you you base what you want to try and achieve. On that time frame, and I'm a very big one for for pumping in the the early um, part of a term. You know what's important to drop out this part, this uh, the end of the term, and thinking that's a three year period. So my timing was all around that. Um, now we're into a fourth year, and in, in fact, you know, you had um, lots of councils looking forward to the um, election in September of this year. Right now, when we're talking, we should be having an election. Um, some um, political parties even had pre selections in fact, now you're going to have pre-selected candidates for 18 months. And, um, you know, you get into that when you've got pre-selection happening and so on, you get in that campaign mode. When you're in that campaign mode, which you can't avoid for the last sort of two or three months of a, of a term, um, you know, I, I sometimes think that the best decisions aren't made. You're making decisions because you're thinking about an election. But, again, the election now has been postponed by 12 months. So it's upset the, the flow of a lot of that. Um, and uh, at the same time, we've got a lot of um, um, planning, um, planning uh, strategies happening. So we'll, you know, instead of those being pushed into next term, we'll, we'll get to see those um, live out their life a little bit, and it's good to be able to follow those through as as uh, as the existing council. Um, so you know, at the same time of Getting an extra 12 months, which, you know, hopefully is not 12 months of campaigning, um, you know, there are things that we do get to see followed through. I, I haven't made a decision whether I'm going to run next-term accounts. A lot can happen in 12 months, Martin, as you know. Um, but uh, I certainly want to follow through to the things that I have planned at the start of this term. And, and um, I had someone say to me uh the end of last term martin that when when the election came around and, and they saw i was a liberal they said look i've been following you all year on you know all term on social media and everything else and i didn't know you were a liberal and i've seen you do so much and i think that's that's really good and, you know I, I usually wouldn't vote liberal but i'm going to vote for you because i think you've been a really good representative and to get that feedback is terrific um and you know to have uh, an increase um, margin of, of 25% on my ticket from from one term to to the next term. Um, you know that that's that's um, you know that's I, I feel a great deal of responsibility to to ensure that you know I continue to do a good job and um, and live up to those expectations. At the same time, I need to you know, all councillors need to make sure they avoid the trap. I'm not just representing those people that voted for me or hand it out for me. You know, once you're elected, the election's over, you're representing the whole um, ward, 33,000 votes or 50,000 residents, and the whole um, whole shire for your shire-wide things. And, you know, sometimes, particularly for new councils, that's, a, that's a, a trap you can fall
0: into. You mentioned a minute ago um, to do as well as you can. What's your benchmark of your success, your personal success as a representative?
1: Um, I think following through on commitments that you make uh, on the things that you run on and I'm always very very careful not to make a promise that I can't keep. And, and, and that's sometimes a trap that you know um, um, you can fall into and, and uh, you know it's, it's something I really, really try hard to avoid. and I would rather give a resident bad news than lead them lead them along to say that oh, no, that, that, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. And, and I think um, um, being honest and upfront uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and sometimes giving that bad news is much more respected. I <laughs> though sometimes you, you do cop some, some backlash for doing that sort of thing, but um, it's really important for me that, that I'm consistent. Uh, one thing that residents hate is you know, inconsistencies. And I remember after the hailstorm, storm, for example, Martin, um, we had a big storm in Barara, as you know, and it happened right on Green Bin Day. So we, the green bins were collected and, and people said, oh, I've got all this green mess everywhere and, and um, um, you know, it's two weeks until my green bin gets picked up. You know, Councillor Tilbury, you need to organise another green bin pickup. And I just said, what that would have meant is taking a green bin pickup from another area and, and taking it for Barara so they could have a 2nd a pickup." pick-up. Um, and someone else would miss out. And, you know, I just had to be upfront and said, look, you know, that, that can't be done. And um, I had one guy really giving it to me on social media saying, oh, well, you know, you never look after us and all the rest of it. And I said, look, I'd rather be upfront with you and say that I can't do this, but you've got nine other counsellors to, to go and talk to, and maybe that you could talk them into saying that, you know, they can do this for you, but I can tell you, you'd be a hundred more times disappointed than you are with me now when they actually let you down and don't do it for you. Um, and, uh, you know, that I think that's really important on all issues. You, 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 you be genuine with people and they respect that at the end of the day.
0: Nathan, thanks for that. I have this little segment called Rapid Fire Questions where I just throw a few terms and expressions at um, people who are interested to answer them. Are you interested in having a go at that?
1: Sure. Sounds like fun.
0: All right. doesn't have to be, you know, single word answers, so feel free to chat away if you need to. I'm going to start off with the one I start off with, everyone, the bushland and the waterways of the Shire.
1: Yeah, look, the bushland is really, really important. Um, Obviously, we can't forget we are the bushland Shire. And I think um, the greater majority of our residents, and I'm talking, you know, high 90s as a percentage, choose to live in the Hornsby Shire, either um, intentionally or inadvertently, because of the beauty that the bushland has in our Shire. And it's so important that um, um, we not only protect that, but we enhance that. And uh, and we celebrate it as well, you know. And, and uh, one of the other things that I'm trying to get through at the moment is um, upgrades to walking tracks and uh, and links and so on. So um, that's really important. Um, the waterways, obviously, as I mentioned before, you've got Barara Creek, you've got Cowan Creek and you've got the Hawkesbury River, which is, you know, slap bang of um, my ward or where I am as well. Um, and, and they're fantastic playgrounds. Um, that we've got residents that a lot of our residents live in units, and you know, it's really important they have access um, to the Hawkesbury and, and Cowan and Brower Creek um, and the national parks and then around that, and that we keep that healthy as well. Um, it's always been very good for, for fishing. We need to make sure that it's not overfished with too much commercial fishing, um, we need to make sure that it's uh, it's not uh, over polluted with too much development. Um, you know, and, and causing stress on the on the uh, infrastructure, such as sewage facilities, um, and that we continue um, to improve the water quality in the Hawkesbury River, and that that's been a big commitment of mine for the for both terms of the council I've been on. Okay, the next one, COVID nineteen. Yeah, COVID nineteen. That's uh, all caught us by surprise. But look, I'm a I'm a a glass half full person, and. Um, you know, whilst it was very difficult and stressful and, and I took uh, eight weeks off work, um, fortunately I had the holidays to take them and stayed at home with the kids uh, and helped them with school. My wife was working from home and um, she works for and in the office and, and uh, had a really important job to make sure they had stock on the shelves. Um, but at the same time, that glass half-full part, if you like, I think there will be a lot of silver linings that come out of this. And um, council staff, we had some of those working from home, lots of them working from home, and, and it was shown that for them to be you know, more productive when doing that. It, um, that was something that, you know, if COVID 19 wasn't around, I'm certain that we wouldn't have tried having staff working from home. And that means less cars on the road, um, you know, less pollution. Um, more productivity, as I mentioned, uh, more family time for our staff. So I think there are going to be lots of silver linings that come out of that. And sometimes, I don't know, if you're in a bit of a rut of life, it needs something like a COVID-19 to come along to shake you and, and um, you know, make, make you look at ways that you can do things better. So I think that's that's the real positive too, that will come out in the long run.
0: Okay. Arts and crafts in the Shire.
1: Um, yes, uh, my, my eldest daughter who's doing HSE this year is, is the big artist um, in our house. And, um, uh, and you know, we're, we're a little bit sad in the Hornsby Shire for, for that sort of facility. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the water fountain in Hornsby as well, which is our, our most um, important piece of um, outdoor artwork uh, that we have in the Shire. And it's been broken for a decade and over a decade. Um, you know, and, and the pushback that you get against when you, you're trying to get that repaired is incredible. Um, so, you know, I, I think that... Um, I don't think the art community is represented really well in the Shire and it would be good to see, you know, those people evolved in the art world in Hornsby Shire, you know, come together um, to talk about the sorts of facilities they would like to see, um, you know, as I say, talking about fixing um, the the most important outdoor piece of artwork that we've got at the fountain, I mean, things like that. So look, I, I'm, um, a big supporter of the arts, but it'd be great to, to, you know, get some real leaders in that community to, to come through and, um, and improve the facilities we have in the Shire.
0: Okay. Uh, under the umbrella of sporting ovals and recreational areas in the Shire.
1: Yeah. Um, that's obviously really important to me. That's, that's my grassroots. And, um, uh, I'm a big uh, fan of really helping those sports that want to help themselves. And I mentioned the keringai Netball Association before, I mentioned the Brow Cricket Club and the Hornsby Koongai Cricket Association. And, and um, very much those organisations were not organisations that they hand out to council saying you need to do this for us. It was very much um, they were willing to do it themselves, um, but it just needed council sometimes just to get out of the way. Um, so it is such an important part of uh, Shire, particularly for our youth, um, team sports, you know, and kids, I think, learn so much from team sports. Um, they. It's really important that we've got individual sports as well available, such, you know, a big supporter of the Barreira Swimming Club. Um, and, uh, you know, that we uh, provide um, really good facilities that we're proud of uh, as a Shire and, you um, and, You know that we have other local government areas looking over our boundary and wishing they had our facilities, um, and and look they do. We we do a really really good job, and we're in a fortunate position that we have some greenfield areas such as Westley, um, such as the Tollgate down at Barara, such as the quarry that we can we can uh, continue to develop develop top class sporting facilities for our community.
0: Okay, um, under the umbrella. Parking, traffic and
1: transport in the Shire. Yeah, just going back to COVID, as I said, that's one of the silver linings that, um, you know, we're all waiting right, for North Connects to open, but it, the foot's off the throat there because Penadent Road, which I take a couple of times a day, is nowhere near as bad as it was 12 months ago because there are simply less cars on the road. And I think, um, I think post-COVID, I think, you know, there will be more people working from home um, and in turn there will be there'll be less cars uh, moving around and, and less parking. Um, I'm not an advocate of if you've got a parking problem you just need to build more parking at all I don't think that that solves the problem. I think you need uh, alternatives you know sure more parking might um, be part of the solution but also hel- helping people um, getting around or using alternative methods to get around whether that be public transport, whether that be um, uh, walking, uh, I mentioned before, footpath links to tra- public transport. You know, there was a couple of um, really obstacles for Barara, residents walking to Barara Station um, mm-hmm. that Council solved in the last couple of years. And, and I know now that that is, means more people are walking to the station. It means less people are parking um, around that area. And it's a much, um, it's a much um, a, a better thing around the, the Hornsby train uh, Barara Train Station um, because of that, simply because we improved pedestrian facilities. So, you know, it's about looking at alternative methods rather than, um, you know, just trying to fix the problem by throwing more parking at it. The Indigenous
0: community in
1: the Shire. Yeah, really important. I mean, obviously, the Indigenous community in the Shire lived here for 40,000, more than 40,000 years before um, European settlement and, um, and and lived quite happily and developed... Um, you know, ways um, to live in the area through, um, you know, collecting food and and hunting and um, medicinal um, things from the native plants, you know, they they were far more advanced than we can even begin to imagine. Um, At the Shire, particularly talking about that spine from Hornsby down to Brooklyn, uh, I think there are more um, Aboriginal sites than anywhere else in, in the world. Well, in Australia obviously but um, uh, you know we're really lucky here and we need to make sure that we don't take that for granted and I would like to see us celebrate more that Aboriginal heritage um, rather than um, rather than uh, you know just have it have it sitting there and and uh, and hidden so um, you know I really hope that we can in the near future reach a point where where we are really celebrating our Aboriginal heritage a lot more because it's really important and we can learn so much from it
0: Housing umbrella,
1: medium density housing. Yeah, medium density housing is a really important part of the um, the housing right across the shire. Um, it's part of affordable housing, and um, it's an unfortunate word, affordable housing, because a lot of people cringe in that. Something like key worker housing is probably a better name. We're talking about housing for people that aren't on the top incomes, but are really important to our community, whether they be firemen, nurses, policemen, that sort of thing, the sort of people you want living next to you and um, so medium-density housing is is really important in appropriate areas. Um, uh, Townhouses as I mentioned to you before there's still some of that to be delivered and that's certainly in demand for people that want to downsize, um, people that that, um, you know get divorced and still want to live in the area um, and people to getting getting into the market so really really crucial part of the overall mix of housing in the Shire.
0: Okay, I'll give you some light at the end of the tunnel. Two more questions to go. Sure. first one is community organisations.
1: Yeah, we're really lucky like in the Hornsby Shire. Um, we, we have more volunteers in the Hornsby local government area than any other local government area. Um, you know, you've got RFS, the uh, bush care groups being the larger groups, but also the sporting organisations. And um, to have them um, run in, in such a professional way, volunteers we are extremely lucky and um, again we should never take that for granted and uh, council should continue to assist um, those organisations
0: um, to to function the way they do so um, yeah very important and the final rapid fire question is the future for the Shire I think
1: the future is really bright I think certainly the last two terms of council, we put a lot of work into um, the long-term future of the Hornsby Shire, um, you know, fixing the perennial issue of the Hornsby Quarry that was a um, an anchor around taxpayers and a real bad taste in everybody's mouth to actually having so many people looking forward to the solution and, um, and unlocking that for some really exciting uh, recreation opportunities. Um, you know, we, we've reached our... Our numbers in terms of um, uh, new housing, uh, so the pressure's off there for the for the uh, for the present and the foreseeable future. Um, well, uh, other local government areas are still going to have that pressure. So when I look at, when I think we've got problems in Ormsby Shire, Martin, I look over the fence at some of the other councils, and I think we're in a really really good space, and uh, I think the future is really bright.
0: Okay, so that's the end of the rapid fire question. Do you have any questions of myself or any comments you would like to make?
1: No, I'd just finish up by saying um, um, obviously we're 12 months out from an election and, um, you know, if there are any listeners out there that are um, thinking about running for local government or would like to know more about local government, you know, I'm, I don't care that their political persuasion. I'm, I'd be happy to, um, to talk to them about that. I think it's important that we we do get fresh people coming in with fresh ideas. Um, uh, you know, bringing bringing youth. Um, I think we need um, more women representatives as well. Um, but look, we just need good representatives. So, uh, 12 months out from elections, a good time for people to start to think about that. And um, you know, as a as a council has gone through terms, I'm more than happy to make myself available. Started this term, we had seven new councillors. I mentioned, and I rang every single one of them and said, uh, um, "You know, uh, let me know if I can help you with anything, and if you've got any questions about anything." And um, most, many of those have um, taken me up this term of council and uh, uh, you know, and ensure they don't go down the same cul-de-sacs I did, mm-hmm. if you like, when it comes to <laughs> being a new councillor. And uh, you know, i still obviously uh, giving giving advice to some of those some of those councillors today. So, uh, yeah. But if there's anybody else out there thinking about it. Um, it is very rewarding. It is a big uh, commitment, um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it teaches you a lot as well. So it helps you grow too. So I'm more than happy to to offer any advice. So
0: on, on that, how what's the best way for people to contact you, Nathan?
1: Yeah, I'm very contactable. I've got um, a social media page, um, obviously on the council email. Um, my mobile number's everywhere, um, 0403 227 560. Um, more than happy to um, to anybody to contact me at any time on that number uh, and um yeah, i'm very very keen to hear from people
0: so nathan as i've said to everyone else um that i've had a chat to thank you very much for your service to the community prior to 2012 and for the last eight years on hornsby council and whatever you choose to do next year all the best Looking forward to seeing what the next 12 months brings for yourself and the Hornsby community with your service.
1: Thank you, Martin. It should be interesting, yes. Thank you.